0: We're in the middle of a series called You Win. Bump your neighbor and say, You Win. Bump your second choice neighbor and say, You Too. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says this. Don't you know that all that run in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run to win. Everybody say, Run to win. You ought to get up in the morning ready to go. Say, I'm not a morning person. Well, as soon as you've had 72 cups of coffee, you ought to get up and be ready to go. But you ought to run to win. You ought to to hit the ground running. God didn't create you in his likeness and his image so that you would not be victorious in every way. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always, everybody say "always, always, always causes us to triumph through Christ. If God did not want me to be successful on every front, in every area, in every way, then he should have excluded that promise from the Bible. Because if it's in the Bible, it's for God's people. Amen? Amen. If it's a promise, we want to see it. We want to experience it. But along the way, we get uh, uh, going through life, and we have to come to the understanding that God, in fact, wants you to be successful so successful in whatever, in in what area, in all areas. He wants you to be successful in your relationships, successful uh, in work, successful in your resources, successful in your health, successful in your peace. He wants your prayer life to be successful. He wants your effectiveness to be successful. Some of you are going to become phenomenal evangelists. You say, how am I going to do that? You're going to invite people to church. You're going to engage them when they get here. And then you're going to invest in their life and help them to live a godly life. You're going to become effective in the area of evangelism. You're going to be successful in anything in every area. Now the problem that we come come into is the pressures of life are very, very real. Things happen. Things come up. Uh, uh, As soon as you think you've got life figured out, guess what? Here comes the boomerang. It's coming back around. As soon as you think you have life figured out, uh, something's going to happen. As soon as you get the, the, the tire fixed on one side of the car, all of a sudden the next side of the car, something happens. As soon as you get one thing figured out, something else happens. And the pressures, everybody say pressure. pressure. The pressures of life begin to build up. The pressures of life begin to uh, pile up on top of us. And, and, and we, we get to the point where we're, we're trying to figure out what we should do. Well, in Christianity, if you love the Lord, uh, you know that He wants you to succeed. You have two jobs. Everybody say two. Two. You have two jobs. Number one, the first job you have is to stand. Everybody say stand. stand. Your job is to stand in the face of adversity. Your job is to stand whenever thoughts and things come against you that are contrary to the Word of God. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong, Ephesians 6 and 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Interesting he does not say, be strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in the power, not of your might, but the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Everybody say, stand. You've got to put on the whole armor of God so that you have an opportunity so that you are able to stand when the schemes of the enemy come against you. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to... Stand. Your number one job as a Christian, when you become born again, number one, if you don't know Christ before you leave here, you're going to know Him. If you've never been born again before you leave here, you're going to be born again. But when it comes to people who are uh, filled with God, who are pressing towards the mark, oftentimes we wonder, what's my number one job in my relationship with Christ? And your number one job is to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Now the problem is, Uh, We don't often know what the wiles of the enemy are. We don't know what the schemes of the devil are. Well, let me just lay some out for you. Any thought that is contrary to the word of God is a scheme and a plan of the devil to try to get you off track, to try to get you living in doubt, to try to get you living in fear, to try to get you living in a place where you begin to wonder, is God good or is God not good? Am I more than a conqueror or am I about to be conquered? Because if you get to the place where you wonder what is God doing or not doing in my life, now all of a sudden it becomes difficult to stand. Your number one job is to stand. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, number one, you are to, if you're married, you should stand for your marriage. That means when, when sir, when when you're when you're on a business trip and, and you're having, you're eating your dinner at the at the hotel at the, at the uh, the restaurant, the hotel, and that woman comes by smelling like your favorite perfume or whatever, and she stops by and she just says, Oh, hey, how are you doing? Where are you from? It would be better for you to stand up and scream and say, I don't want to talk to you, than it would for you to sit down and relax and be uh, 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 maneuvered and manipulated by something that could start very subtly, and all of a sudden you're having to explain something to your spouse that was completely inappropriate because you refused in a moment to stand. Amen. Nobody ever got into adultery by slipping on a banana peel and falling into a hotel room with somebody that is not their spouse? Amen or oh me? Ma'am, you're not immune. Just FYI. You're at work. It's okay if we just talk real for a minute. It's just church. You're at work typing away. And there goes the guy who, whatever, and he stops and goes, man, I really like your outfit today. He could just be being nice. That might just be the way he talks. But somewhere along the way, you will need to make a stand for your relationship. It would be better for you to stand up out of your chair and say, oh, you like my outfit? You mean the blouse that my husband bought me who I've been married to happily for 20 years quit hitting on me, you godless heathen? Well, he might not be a godless heathen. I would rather you offend him than I would you offend the person that God has told you I want you to live your life with. I want you to be one flesh with. I want you to protect them. I want you to care for them. I want you to take care. I would rather you offend that person who you have no concept of what they mean than I ever would you chase a little rabbit just long enough to find out that they have other intentions. You have to stand. This is just one example. Everybody say, move on. on. Okay, I will. (laughs) That's just one example. Something small and subtle. You say, well, well, I've never heard that before. Well, here's the thing. I know people, and I love everybody, and we're not mad at anybody, and if if you're going through something we want to help you with that, that's all there is to it. I'm just telling you, every forest fire starts with a small fire, maybe even a spark. Maybe even an idea. Maybe even a thought. The Bible says that we are to take into captivity every thought that is contrary to the word of God. Which means you should stand so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Now the problem is the longer that we've been in Christ we begin to think that we have to fight our own battles. We begin to think, well, I've been saved so long, I've been a Christian so long, I can handle this now, I can do this now, I'm the one, I'm the one. But the problem is, when you decide that, the Bible says in Galatians that you begin to frustrate the grace of God. How many of you are glad that we live under grace? Grace means that where you could not, He did. Where you cannot, He does. So when we get into grace, we have to either rely on grace or we rely on the law. But what's interesting in Ephesians 6 is he tells all about this army. He says, I want you to put on the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, want to have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. I want you to have the sword of the spirit. Want be, uh, uh, I want you to be girded up belt uh, with the belt of truth. I want you to be so ready for war that, that, that you are able not to charge the enemy but to stand. Now, now, I don't understand it. You, we just watched the Aggies tune up uh, 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 Prairie View, which was awesome. But uh, what, what's interesting is they get in their locker room and they put on their cleats and their pads and their shoulder pads and all their stuff. They strap that helmet on. They put their mouthpiece in. And, and then the coach says, now go hit somebody. But in our Bible, it says, put everything on, not because I'm going to say, ready, set, Go but because I want you just to be able to stand. Now, why would we need to stand? We stand because the battle does not belong to you. The Bible says he wages war on our behalf. He begins to repeat himself. He goes, listen, when you get tired of standing, I want you to stand some more. Some of you are going through something and you feel like, you know, I've been through this before. How much longer am I going to have to stand? I don't know. What I do know is if you don't faint, if you don't quit, you're going to reap. There's something called a due season. Everybody say due due season. Due season shows up in your life when you least expect it but when you most require it. It's a situation when everything shifts in a moment, in an instant, in a a twinkling, in a breath. But for you and for me, we have two jobs. We have to stand and believe. Stand and believe. Everybody say that. Stand and believe. Stand and believe. I was stand and believe. So if we're going to stand, we're going to stand what? Against the wiles, the schemes of the enemy. What are we going to believe? I'm glad you asked. We are going to believe what God says about us. And we're going to throw everything else away. That means when you decide that you're going to believe God, you have to get out of the I'm not capable, it's not possible, I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not qualified enough, there's no way I could, I'm too old, I'm too young. I'm to this. As soon as you said, I, and you didn't attach, I'm more than a conqueror, you just said something that's contrary to God's word. God says we're going to stand and we're going to believe. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Whatever you believe, that you are. Now, believing is something very interesting because believing, literally, you can believe anything. Have you ever heard somebody say, I just can't believe that? It's not true. We've got children convinced that a bunny rabbit hops around and gives out Easter eggs once a year. You can believe it. we got kids convinced that a fat man in a red suit flies around with reindeer, gets out of a sleigh, climbs down a chimney, and puts presents underneath a tree, steals your cookies and your milk, and then leaves. You can believe anything. So we have to decide... What we're going to believe, because we have two jobs. We're going to stand, and we're going to believe. Now, here's what you have to believe. You have to believe what He says about you, and not any other thought that comes up, because He says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But if we're really honest, we don't feel like that all the time. We don't feel like we are more than a conqueror all the time. But your job is not to be more than a conqueror. Your job is to believe Him that you are more than a conqueror. Stand and believe. In the body of Christ... We find ourselves torn between uh, processes and mentalities. One mentality is the mentality of "woe is me" and everything that I've done. The other one, let's call it, a righteousness mentality. Second Corinthians five twenty one says that uh, He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. "...that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him." You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are made righteous by what God did for you, not by what you are going to do for God. Does that mean we shouldn't do things for God? Heaven forbid. You should press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. However, it comes from a place and a mentality of the understanding of where he has positioned you that puts you in a place of understanding why you can access him and why you can believe God when everybody else is telling you, you're just not good enough. I might not be good enough but He's certainly good enough and He is my refuge. He is my strength. In whom shall I fear? I'm not fixing to get moved by what I see. I'm not fixing to get moved by what I hear. I am choosing to do two things in my life. I'm going to stand on His promises and I'm going to believe what He says about me instead of what anybody else says about me. As we go through, it's imperative to keep in mind these two points because these two points position you for success in every area because just like where he said, uh, now thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph in Christ. It's because of Christ that you have the triumph, but if you don't have Christ, now it's a maybe. If you don't have Jesus, your victory is not certain. But if you have the Lord, your victory is as certain as your next breath. But you have to get to the place where you decide, before I get there, I know the two things I'm going to do. I'm going to stand and I'm going to believe. I'm going to stand on the promises of God and I'm going to believe what God says about me. Amen? So many times in our life, we we have this feeling And this pressure that comes. And I don't want to make light of pressure. Because it's very real. It's very uh, uh, influential in your life. But pressure is something that, that it's almost necessary. Because... Pressure does something that maybe nothing else can do. If you take a water hose and you, pour the, you turn the water on, it'll shoot three or four feet. But as soon as you put your thumb over it and you apply some pressure, now all of a sudden that same water can shoot 30 or 40 feet. Because pressure is required to see power maximize. And in your life, the more pressure you begin to feel... In your life, the more pressure you begin to feel like is coming on you, now the more power you can anticipate. The more you sense the pressures of this world from every side. Has anybody just waved? Have you you ever felt pressure at all? Have you ever felt like, "I, I don't understand... Why, I, I, I thought by now I would be further along. I thought by now I'd have a bigger understanding. We had a, a great a young adult meeting this past Thursday, and I did a little poll, and, and, and the poll was simple. I said, everybody close your eyes. I said, number one, I said, who's a Christian? Everybody raise their hand. I said, glory to God. I said, okay, who here knows exactly what God would have you to do? Exactly. Like, less than 10%. Raise your hand. Then after the, the, the meeting, after the service, I said, I want to ask the same question, but a different way, and I want you to keep your eyes open. Who here wishes, honestly, that you had more clarity about what God would have you to do with your life? Can we all relate to that? I don't know if it was 100%, but if it wasn't, it was 99.9. Lifted their hand, and I said, now, hold your hands up. I said, now, look around. Because when you have that thought, I wish I knew what God would have me to do. The other half of that thought says, you're the only one that doesn't know. Look at Pastor Brian. He knows exactly what he needs to do with his life. Look at Susie. She knows exactly what she needs. You're the only one that doesn't know exactly what to do with your life. But looking around almost the entire room... But it is the pressure, it is the pressure that we feel in those uncertain moments that cause us to feel like something is not as it should be. When the reality is, is you're going to go through life, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And in those moments of hostility and in those moments of uncertainty, when the pressure gets its greatest, what you should be staring at and looking for is not the problem to increase, but you should be staring and looking to see, now that I've got all this pressure, I can't wait till God's power is released. Because you have two jobs. Stand and believe. Stand and believe. What do I do when I get a bad report? I'm going to stand and I'm going to believe. What do I do if I get a bad report for a family member and it ends in a funeral? I'm going to stand and believe. What, what, what do I do when, when they tell me they're laying people off at work? I'm going to stand and I'm going to believe. You say, well this sounds too easy. Jesus said it this way, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's like we try to complicate him and he came to try to simplify. Your job, stand and believe. Are you going to do it right every time? I hope so. But if you miss it, it doesn't change your job next time. Stand and believe. And don't let the enemy lie to you where when you feel the pressure, you think you're the only one. We all feel the pressure. My goodness, this week, just, just I can't even, just pressure, just all angles, just pressing, all at the same time. And I'm just like, well I must be right where God wants me to be, if I've made the devil that mad. I have an uncle, about four months ago, he was diagnosed uh, with stage four cancer, was given six months to live. Every single report says, "Look, you know, if you got a bucket list, you better go do it, because that's the way. This is it. It's over." I went dove hunting with him last week, and the next day, he sends out a text message that says, "BT Dub, I am now in remission and completely cancer free." Stand and believe stand and believe we can't complicate it because if we you're going to be driving to work you're going to have that thought I can't believe this is happening I can't believe that is happening well I may not be able to figure it out but I tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to stand and I'm going to believe I got a, a, a kid I got a grandkid They're living crazy. They're they're doing all the stuff that they shouldn't be doing. I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. Stand and believe. Because the Bible makes it very clear in Galatians, if we won't quit, just raise your hand if you say, I'm not going to quit. If we won't quit, the Bible says we'll read, but here's the, 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 the ticker. It's, it's in due season. You don't know when due season is going to hit, but you know when it gets there. I remember my kids when I were very little. They had this terrible, terrible toy. It's called a jack in the box. Easily the worst toy on the planet. But Haley was our first baby, and you know, the first baby. That's the one that like, when they drop the pacifier, you go boil it for 20 minutes before you give it back to them. The second baby, you wipe it on your pants. The third baby, they could drop it in a sewer and you would go like this and then hand it to them. The first baby, you got to have the lights turned just right. You got the, the 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 blackout on the windows. You got the 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 noisemaker in the corner that sounds like you know this is what it sounded like in their mother's belly it helps them sleep just and the baby still doesn't sleep the third baby you will give them a running chainsaw if it will keep them quiet here babe play with that for a while so we're talking about the first baby I'm talking like pillows on all the corners like. Like, first baby, like buy the expensive shoes, those shoes that say will help them walk better. You know what I'm talking about? Like $50 a piece. Are we the only ones that bought expensive shoes for our babies? First baby, Jack in the Box. It was the worst. Because, I don't know if you know what a Jack in the Box is, but it's got a, 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 a crank on the side of it. And when you turn the crank, it's like do, 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 (laughs) do. That's pretty. I'll give Caesar a hand. (laughs) Terrible toy. You turn the thing and you got it like right next to the kid, six months old kid. And when you least expect it, I don't remember what it was a clown or something pops out and just bounces all around their face. And my dad loved it. He'd be like, Here, she'll love it, she'll love it. Do, 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 do. Boom, and the kid Aah! screams. And I'm like, Dad, stop. He's like, oh, she loves it. He puts it back in. (laughs) Turns the crank. Papa! Said, Dad, you're crazy. Stop. Then something would happen. The kid starts figuring out. They don't know when it's going to happen. But they do know that it is going to happen. And when they hear, because it's a pressure thing, on the inside, there's a spring that's stopping, that's pushing that thing up. And when you turn the dial, the pressure increases, pressure increases, until all of a sudden, it's let, it lets go. And when all the pressure releases, it pops out. And the kid is sitting there watching it, and they're going, I don't know when it's going to happen. And they start to shake, and they're smiling like, ah! And then, bing, it pops out, and they're like, hee hee Because even a six-month-old baby Can realize if it did it one time, it will do it again. You may feel the pressure and you may look and you say, well, work for Susie. God is no respecter of persons. If he will bless Susie in due season, he will bless you in due season. Or maybe you look back over your life and you say, i don't know I, I know God did it for me one time, but i can't be convinced he'd do it again if he 's ever done anything for you, he will do it again you 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 feel the pressure you you feel the the turning and and you don't know you don't know when you just know you don't know. Exactly how, because that baby's got no clue how the clown pops up, but they know it's coming. And instead of being scared and surprised, the child goes to expecting something to happen. Expectation is the breeding ground for the miraculous in the body of Christ. When the pressure comes in and it feels like it's on every side, and then the enemy's sitting there and he's just turning the crank. And he thinks he's turning the screws. All he's really doing is winding you up for your breakthrough. But you've got to get to the place where, when you feel the pressure, your expectancy goes up. Because God has, God is, and He will do it again. But it is you and me that bear the responsibility of when the screws are being turned to stand and believe. Stand to your feet with me. It is us who have the choice Because he's not going to stop turning the crank. He's not going to stop making the music. He's not going to stop because you don't like the pressure. But we've got to get to the place where where due season becomes a time when we are expecting God and not something that surprises and scares us. Something where, you, you, you see... David wrote that wonderful psalm where he said, Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. He wrote that after he killed the giant and was probably in the shadow of Goliath when he did. And he found out that while he's in a valley, God is still with him. So in other words, he said, I don't understand everything I'm going through, but I do know this... God did it for me once, and He'll do it for me again. And while I'm here, I'm going to stand, and I'm going to believe what God said. The, the, the knob, the, the, the dial, the, the, the crank, it's like, a, it's like He thinks He's got you, and He thinks, if I just push a little farther, I'll break Him. He's positioning you for your breakthrough. All around the mulberry bush, the monkey chased. The monkey chased the weasel, right? What what, what, what about this? All around the mulberry bush, the devil chased God's children. But what the devil didn't know, it's now your season. Come on, give God a hand of praise. There's a breakthrough coming in your life. Something is shifting. Let the pressure come. We're going to stand and we're going to believe. We're not going to back down. We're not going to back up. We're not going to run from the fight. We're going to stand and see the power of God move in our life. There's something about the pressure that always precedes the power. pressure power when God shows up in your life and on your behalf I want you to be able to bump all of your neighbors and all of your family members and all of your naysayers and say I told you he was going to show up I told you he was going to do it everybody else might have doubted my God but he supplies my needs according to his riches and glory if he says by his stripes I'm healed I'll stand until I see it but I'm not backing down on the promises of God I'll do what he said I will stand and I will believe